springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Every bunny loves honey-glazed carrots, a great side dish for your springtime celebration and a delicious compliment to a sweet, bright Moscato. Wine is made in virtually every country in the world, and I'm ready to give you a tour to find the right one. Serving lamb this season? Try it with a bold Cabernet from the trendy Paso Robles region. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this spring at Total Wine & More. Cheers! This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. From burnout and exhaustion to joy and fulfillment. Through the act of serving consciously, it's time to rediscover your passion. It's live with Elizabeth and guests on the Contact Talk Radio Network. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Serving Consciously. I'm your host, Elizabeth Bishop, and I'm so pleased that you're able to join us today. Um, I have a panel discussion happening today, which is the first time we've done this on Serving Consciously, so it will be very informative and a lot of fun. So as you know, we look in this hour, we talk about what it means to be in conscious service, and we look at different aspects of an approach that I've developed. And um, today, we're going to be focusing mainly, I think, on the element of self-connection and how we can achieve that through um, a variety of means, through creative expression, through artistry. But we're going to have a special emphasis on um, trauma and trauma-informed practice, trauma-informed care. And so we'll also be looking at the role that this can play in transformative relationships as well. And I want to remind you that if um, you want to connect with me, you can find me and my contact information at my website. And actually, you can get there now by going through uh, www.servingconsciously.com, which is a little bit easier, I think, than what I had before. So please feel free to follow me there and connect there as well. So today, let me introduce you to my panel first, and then we'll dive into our um, our topic and our theme for the day. I do want to remind you that if you're interested in calling in and speaking with us or have any questions during the show, you can do that at 1-844-390-8255, and we'd love to hear from you. So my first guest, Aura Che, is an educator and, art and an artist for over 25 years, and Aura has instructed in the early childhood education field, implemented appreciative inquiry curriculum in numerous settings, and has been a field supervisor for early years refugee home visitation, and has also designed site-specific curriculum and provided a lot of in-service training for staff members. Aura is the provincial trainer for the BC Council's Home Visiting and Risk Management Certificates, and she has a particular interest in early human growth and brain development, and the correlation of this growth to early attachment. Aura comes from a strength-based perspective and always uh, integrates trauma-informed practice and the creative process within all of her curriculum. She's recently completed an educator's toolkit for physical literacy and nature exploration and is well-known for her unique and creative programming with young children. And today we're also welcoming Dr. Emilia Wilbur, who completed her Doctorate of Education at the University of British Columbia. And her research has looked at how to make government-funded English classes more inclusive for adult students who've experienced trauma. 
Amia's life work has centered on how literacy in English as an additional language can impact social change and empower marginalized individuals and communities. And she's also worked with diverse populations, ranging from farm workers to Filipino live-in caregivers. Amia has worked for many years as an instructor and manager for English as an additional language program for people with mental health issues. And currently, Amia works at Pacific Immigrant Resources Society, which is an organization that provides services for immigrant and refugee women and their young children. And finally, um, my third guest is Diana Jeffries, and Diana has also been in the English as an additional language profession for the past 15 years and teaches in a number of different uh, capacities here with students who face multi, uh, a multitude of barriers and also with refugee women, uh, women's programs for the Pacific Immigrant Resources Society as well. And apart from teaching, Diana has written resource guides for working with multi-barriered students, refugee youth, and for students who've experienced trauma, and collaborated actually with Dr. Amia Wilbur on this. Diana is also an artist with a background in theater and applied art, including mask making and puppetry, and she regularly applies her art background to her classroom practices as she believes that the creative process can be a very helpful tool for students who are challenged in a regular classroom environment. So we have a lot to talk about today. I want to welcome all three of you here with with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad that you're here. It's great. So maybe we can start by just talking a bit with each of you about the journey that brought you to the work that you're doing right now. Because it it sounds to me just when I when I met with all three well when I met with two of you and I've spoken with you, Diana, but then just looking at your work as well, that you were that you're very connected to what you're doing. You have a passion for what you're doing and you were um brought to that, I'm sure, through a series of experiences in your own life. And I just wonder if you could take turns and tell us a bit about that journey. Um, well, this is Diana speaking. And um, I think that probably my journey towards working primarily with refugees started back when I was in uh, theater school in Montreal. And I, through various reasons, I met certain people that were at that time refugees living in Montreal, particularly Chilean people that had fled from the Pinochet government and also people from North Africa um, that were also fleeing um, persecution and that kind of thing. So I I kind of started to be involved as an activist, as a polit- in political activism. And then much later on, I went to... Um, uh, do my teacher training in in Europe in London and I started working also with Bosnians there in my teacher training there and then from there worked in Vancouver um, working with primarily with women in programs like Stepping Up which was English classes for women who had experienced domestic violence um, and then working with youth programs within immigrant organizations and uh, finally have been with PIRS, uh, working with ANIA on various projects for refugee women here. So, yeah, I think that it's just been part of my entire life journey to be where I'm at. And most of my training, I think, has come through my experience working with people, vulnerable populations, and learning from them and also supporting them in, in what what their needs are to be part of Canadian society. Wonderful. Thank you, Diana. Yeah. And it sounds like a real blend too of, of kind of just where you found yourself 
vocationally, yeah. professionally, and also what you were loving to do from an artistic kind of perspective, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the theater work and the puppetry work that I've done has been uh, worked mostly with community groups and community organizations around um, demonstration and protest puppetry, that kind of thing, as well as uh, theater theater for the oppressed and that, that kind of work. So it, it has blended in really well. Beautiful. I love that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So um, I think, Elizabeth, in terms of the journey that I've been on, and this is Aura speaking, um, you know, I, I did my work in visual fine arts uh, and largely focused on performance art and the way that art depicted itself around the world and in times of oppression. And simultaneously, I was working in education and um, working particularly with families with young children. Um, and as I continued to work with immigrants and refugees, um, it, it really became apparent how difficult it was to come to Canada and rebuild your life. And one of the programs that I worked in at Portland University was a combined skills program. So it was an early childhood education training program, but it was specifically for English additional language um, students. And so those students had often been educators in their own countries and had come to Canada and had no credentials that were recognized here and were really looking at starting over. And going through that whole process of trying to figure out how do we adapt this curriculum so that we meet the needs um, of these students as well as we meet the needs of the province in terms of um, demonstrated competencies was a really interesting journey. And I think it led me back into working, you know, at the front line of the classroom with the children in terms of um, looking at what do what do immigrant and refugee children bring with them? What are the issues that that come up and and developing a particular style of documentation where we can really observe the child's process and respond to the child's process. Many times we don't have any language in common. So this is the way that we're developing a language in common. It's a visual language. And in the process of that, the children also learn English because we can use it from that point of view as well. So I think it's been really a lifelong journey developing this language of communication and working with a trauma-informed lens and using creative process to uh, support these kinds of communications and experiences. Oh, beautiful, Oras. Thank you. I really um, tuned in to when you were just talking about that form of visual language and really that because of not speaking of the same language, that became the means of creating the relationship. Really? Well, absolutely. It Because, you know, it, it is a way the visual um, opportunity is accessible to all of us. And so we can respond to that uh, on a very deep internal level. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes what you see in there leads you to places that wouldn't have words, even if you did have language in common. Absolutely. That's so very true, isn't it? That I mean, so much of the way that we communicate with each other has nothing to do with what's coming out of our mouths, really. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Thank you, Aura. And how about you, Amia? So um, I'm not actually coming from an art background. Um, I got involved in this work. I think the sort of the the way that I got involved in this work was because of my family. Um, 
my mom was quite politically active and that influenced me a lot in terms of where I kind of ended up uh, falling. I actually looked at social work back when I started university in Victoria years and years ago and um, kind of fell into teaching and education and realized that that was a good space for um you know, talking about social justice issues and um, looking at, uh, you know, issues of, um, you know, inequality and and, and um, how to promote sort of more engagement and participation participation in, you know, the broader society. So I ended up um, working um, as a language instructor in a whole bunch of different places and worked with, um, as you said in the introduction, um, living caregivers, um, and then started working in a, a small program that um, supported people um, who had chronic mental health issues and um, were trying to learn English. So one of the things that I did with that program is I would go out and train um, other and talk to other instructors who are trying to kind of create inclusive classrooms and trauma kept coming up over and over again. And so having, you know, refugees, having students in the class that um, teachers felt like they may have had trauma. So I, that's where I ended up kind of going in and starting to look at this as a research, research around this and um, connected with other instructors about how, about how to support people in your classroom that have trauma. And um, again, looking at it from a social justice lens. Beautiful. Thank you, Amia. And maybe that, maybe we can flip into that right now, just because that was one of the areas I did want to sort of highlight as we had this discussion today was this whole emphasis on trauma. And, um, I know to me in my, in my understanding of that, I see it as such a personal and subjective kind of experience. So it's not necessarily so much about saying this is a traumatic event because it was this that happened, you know, but it's more about how a person is impacted by the experiences of their life. So I'm wondering if maybe we can move into that piece now and just talk a bit about about how we define trauma and maybe a bit about trauma-informed practice mm-hmm. and what that means. Um, well, this is Diana again. Um, I think that uh, I think that is very difficult to really pinpoint what trauma is. Uh, I think that we can see it in our classrooms, we can see it within ourselves, and we can see it, you know, in in the wider community as well. So I think anybody is susceptible to trauma. I think that's what one of the things that's quite important. But to recognize it in a classroom can be quite, uh, you know, you, that awareness needs to be there. And it sometimes is lacking, especially in the EAL sector, in in the sense that you're not just teaching people around language, but you're also helping them to be part of and be included in the society as a whole. Uh, so making that kind of awareness of, of what trauma can look like, it can be, you know, it can be anything and different for each individual unique person that's out there. Um, yeah, a very personal journey for sure, yeah. right? Personally interpreted. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, one of the things that I don't want to do around the trauma piece is to pathologize it and to look at it as a medical issue. I think we also yeah. need to look at the political and all of the other, you know, war and all of these things that um, create that trauma. So um, 
you know, and the other forms of marginalization that many of the students that we work with face. Mm -hmm. So even though it's individual, it's also in terms of the greater society, what's actually happening out here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like a systemic kind of an issue as well, right? Yeah. And that's one of the things that really important to me around the research that I did is to look at it, the systemic issues that um, create the trauma and not just look at it from an individual. But how do we, you know, how do we change the systems too? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, which is a big part when you've taken on um, that role and that passion and desire to be an activist or to be politically active or to be, you know, um, driven as far as social justice is concerned as well, right? I mean, it's a big, big part of it. It, It's like that intersection between the individual experience and the reality of what happens within the structure of our society. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the interaction um, between parents and children, and I'm working primarily with children, although I do work with parents as well, um, the children are experiencing secondary trauma often from their families and may have very few tools with which to recognize or process any of that experience. And so it's really offering um, a place where it's okay and it's safe to explore um, those feelings and issues as they come up. And, you know, I I really want to echo what Diana mentioned is, you know, trauma is not specific to a particular group of people it can happen anywhere in our society and i think one of the ways that we look at um being informed about it is by having environments that are um inclusive and allow people the opportunity to be who they are at this moment and for us to be able to support them to go through that process i think also one of the things that working with refugees or new immigrants in general, uh, people also should know that the experience of migration can be a traumatic experience in and of itself. And we often think that people are just coming here because they want to or because they've decided, you know, it's a better life for them and their families. But it's it's not it's not necessarily a choice and they don't necessarily feel like they want to always be here and the experience of coming here can be a, a traumatic experience in, in and of itself. I would say for most people, it probably is right. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I can only just imagine. And you know, even when, even when people do make choices, even when any of us make a choice to do something different or shift differently in our lives, yeah. there's so much of that experience. We don't know, right. That's unknown and it can be traumatic. Yeah. I want to pick up on something I think, Aura, that you just said to around the secondary trauma and children experiencing that through what's happening within their families, you know, and uh, with their parents and things like that. And I mean, we know here in Canada, people, you know, are um, First Nations or Indigenous people um, experience intergenerational trauma and they were they were always here. (laughs) <laughs> you know, they weren't even coming from somewhere else. And that is something that has been going on for generations and generations as well. Um, as far as that interconnectedness between children and parents and all that has happened historically and systemically. And it's also something that people who work in service to others, you know, people who are in helping professions often experience as well as part of the work that they're doing and the service they provide and 
the experiences that they have, right? Mm -hmm. So it's common. And like you said, very much, again, it's personalized. It's it's subjective. And I I love what you were saying, too, Aura, about creating that the safe space. Well, I think, you know, and if I could give you a a recent example, actually, uh, you know, of a a program that PIRS uh, ran, which was for children who were in temporary housing and had not yet been housed um, in their first home as government-assisted refugees. So they've just arrived here. And, you know, we had a child. We were running programs out of motels and hotels because the welcome centers were overfilled. And um, we had a child. We were doing squeezy bags. And um, so flour and paint and in a Ziploc bag and squeezing them. And, and he was, you know, squeezing and mixing along with everyone else. And all of a sudden he became very, very, um, angry and his face became very red and he started breathing more quickly and he began pounding and shouting on his bag. And my response to him was to just sit down without the sounds, but to, to match his rhythm working with the bag. And it was amazing because after several minutes passed, he changed his rhythm again and it became a very musical type rhythm with claps in between. And so it was just, you know, it was very clearly emotions came up and they processed through his system. And that support of me just kind of sitting there with him while he was having that experience enabled him to go on and have a very complete creative process uh, for himself and, and kind of go in one door and come out another, so to speak. What a beautiful example. And really, it's like empathy in motion. When you were saying that, I thought it's just like joining and being present and you just matched, you know, like shared his vibrational energy and he moved through it in a safe way. It's pretty yeah, amazing. It was amazing to be part of that experience. And I think everyone in the room was connected to the experience. I bet. I bet. That's wonderful. Let's take a little mini break here and we'll come back and carry on with our discussion with my panel of guests today. You're listening to Serving Consciously and this is Elizabeth Bishop. We'll be right back after this message. Part of your life mission to be of service to others. Making a difference in the world is a tall order. You are the resource when it comes to serving humanity. Beyond taking care of yourself, learn to create self-connection in your life. Integrate who you are with what you do find a source of inspiration and energy that surpasses your wildest imagination. Register for the Self-Connection Series at www.elizabethbishopconsulting.com. 
Look under Programs and Services for details. Ready for a little inspiration? How about a moment in time to reflect, reframe, and rejuvenate? Join Elizabeth Bishop for Serving Consciously, a new radio show airing on the second and fourth Friday of every month at noon Pacific. Tune in to learn about the conscious service approach and find out how you can integrate who you are with what you do in service to others. Call in and speak directly with experts in the field and find out how they've discovered the joy of serving consciously. everyone. Welcome back. You're listening to Serving Consciously, and I'm your host, Elizabeth Bishop. And today we have um, a panel um, of guests, Aura Che, Emia Wilbur, and Diana Jeffries, who've uh, joined me to talk about uh, trauma, trauma-informed practice, using artistic approaches and creative approaches. So we're going to pick up there, and we were just having some really great discussion before the break. And um, I wanted to ask specifically about a part of the report, um, Emia and Diana, that you prepared called Beyond Trauma. There were three core themes that were developed by uh, Judith Herman that guide your interpretation of trauma that you talk about there, control connections and meaning. And I wondered if you could expand on that a little bit and talk a bit about um, how you integrate that into your own approaches right now and the work that you're doing. Sure. So this is Amy. I thought I'd just give you a little bit. Um, Diana will talk to you a little bit about what she actually does in the classroom. But, um, yeah, we use Judith Herman because one of the things that um, happens with people who have experienced trauma is that they're robbed of control over their own lives. So um, and connection with others and having meaning in their lives. So we've really tried to focus in the classroom um, practices to um, and promoting kind of people regaining control over their lives, making connections and um, creating new meaning in their lives. And I think Diana's got some good examples of things she's done in the class to kind of weave these themes in. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. Yeah, this is Diana. So I, I'm working with PRS in a, a class of, uh, women and, and sometimes their children, the young, young children are in the class with me. If the mothers are still breastfeeding or if the children are not ready to go into the childminding, um, part of the program. Um, and basically it's uh, most of the, the students that are in my class are coming from either from Afghanistan or Iraq and they have had you know, obviously a, a, a tremendous amount of difficulty and hardship in their first countries in the last, you know, t- several years, I would say. And coming to, to Canada has um, eroded some of those um, feelings of having control of their lives because they're in an entirely new culture with uh, entirely, not entirely, but different kinds of values and, uh, um, and dealing with, um, the whole transition into living in a new, in, in a new society. And so through the experiences of being in the first country, living under things like the Taliban 
and then coming to Canada and then restarting an entire a different life and seeing so many different cultures and being around different languages and people, there is a great sense of uh, loss of control. And one of the things that I really try to work on in the classroom with them is that learning English, but learning it through sort of uh, self-identity and, and finding, again, who you are in this new society that you have been, you have found yourself in. And um, how is it that you gain kind of an aspect of control over the parts of your life that you have here now? Because it's so different than what you had in the past. Um, so th we talk a lot about feelings, about um, self-care um, and how to look after yourself. And who are you as a part of who are you uh other than being like a wife and a mother, there is in some ways a real opportunity for these w women to really do a lot of self-exploration, which they may have not had the opportunity to do in the past or to see themselves even beyond their roles in their in own culture that they've had. And then we, I also bring in um, the try very hard to instill a sense of connection between myself and the women in the class and also for the women to feel connected together. So this real, um, you know, community of learning, um, this uh, opportunity for them to make real connections outside of their home because they are often very isolated and they don't often have an opportunity to meet and talk with other women who are maybe going through similar experiences that they have had and just to create new friendships in this new, in their new home. Um, it's as much important for them to connect with each other as it is for me to connect with them as individuals and to really recognize who they are as unique individual people. And um, so I, I spent a lot of time sort of building on things like that. And that's where things like artistry can come into play because we do, um, you know, uh, projects together like collage and uh, building, making murals. Um, I've done mask making, those kinds of artistic expressions that they've never really had opportunity to do in their past. And if they have been, you know, doing the arts like crafts and that kind of thing, it's often for other people rather than for themselves. So the, the, the sort of focus, I feel like, is in my class is much around as much around language as it is around sort of um, self development and and that kind of thing. And then the last, sorry, go ahead. The last I was just going to say it certainly sounds like it. I mean, that's huge when you think about the role of uh, self identity and yeah. you know self connection and really being completely. The only word I can think of right now is like discombobulated. You know, not only from a cultural perspective, geographically. Yeah. Um, but role perspective and a sense of belonging. That's right. Um, as well. Like that just is right. so huge. So we're taking it from that, you know, the fear, the, the control over your identity as you as a unique individual to the connection you have with, within the classroom setting, because that's the safest place to have those connections and then taking it further out into having meaning. So now you're here. Now you have this new life and whether you wanted it to happen or not but you are um so what are you what is the what is 
going to hold for you in the future? What meaning do you have? And then in that part, I try to really instill like just an exploration of what are your values? What are the things that you like, want to contribute, want to be part of in this new society that you found yourself? And how can you find meaning outside of yourself as uh, a parent and, and a wife, but also who are you in the community outside of the classroom? And where are you able or wanting to take and contribute from and have a sense of meaning and purpose being here. Cause those things are all really about self, you know, self care and wellness. Um, and having, you know, many, I would say the majority of my students have experienced, um, you know, a deep sense of depression, a clinical depression where they've been on medications. The regular typical kind of classroom doesn't work for them because med- medication gets uh, involved in their learning practice and they're unable to retain information and that kind of thing. So I, I kind of come from it from a really, uh, comfortable, cozy kind of setting where they are able to explore their, themselves and their community and then the, the wider Canadian society. Beautiful. I love what you were saying about the meaning too, finding that, and I, I think of it in a couple of different ways, but finding that sense of, of purpose and how do I contribute now yeah. and also meaning in the actual experience that mm-hmm. may have been traumatic, right? I mean, quite often that's a big part of healing from trauma mm-hmm. in a general sense is integrating it and finding some sense of what yeah. this has meant to me, right? The experience. And also those things can be incredibly useful to, um, you know, th- in this new identity. You have th- these, these, for my, for example, my students, the women in my classes have so much to contribute to this society mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And they're not always recognized as that where they want to participate. They want to be included and they want to be part of something bigger. This is their opportunity to have that. And we need as a, as our own, in, as our own uh, in my own practice, I really try to instill that you are, have um, the capabilities to to provide a lot of um, to have purpose for your for your life. It's not just about where you come from and and the past, but it's also to look to the future and the things that you're going to be able to do now. Absolutely, and it's it's just such a, and it sounds too to me like really um, taking the real life experiences that these people are going through mm-hmm. um, and using that as an opportunity for transformative learning, as opposed to it being, you know, here, here's like you said, you know, your traditional classroom and, and we're just going to talk about what it means to be a citizen in Canada right. and how to speak English, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. or just talking about, you know, vocabulary and, you know, spelling and grammar and those kinds of things. So, I mean, those things we do uh, in part, but I also do a lot of the sort of, um, I, I embed that into the sort of self-exploration things. And I mean, I mean, I always start my classes, for example, with exercise and a deep breathing sort of meditation practice. Um, I'm careful to recognize that some, some of uh, my students can get triggered by deep breathing. So I am very careful on how I do it, but it's, it's a practice that I'm pretty sure some of the women just come to that class for that. So, <laughs> of having the opportunity to just stretch out their bodies and, and have this quiet meditation away from their families and, 
and just be grounded in and in, in this moment uh in their it, and knowing that it's their time that they have this time to to be part of this classroom environment and community that is all about for them you know just for them so yes yeah yes and it sounds like it's really um you know, honoring the fact that, I mean, learning really does happen when we can see the personal relevance, you know, like what it is that we're here for. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like what you've created really takes that into consideration, that it's so much deeper than Mm -hmm. just the the language component of it, which is also important. But you're coming at it from what is what is likely the most important parts of these people's of these women's experience. So they mm-hmm. can really be present and learn through that kind of an environment. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think this is Amy. Yeah. I think, you know, really touching on what Diana said. I mean, when you look at being trauma informed, it's the pieces about being responsive, being able to be flexible, to um, have spaces that are, where there's compassion and understanding. And I think that we've really tried to, you know, within our organization to kind of promote those spaces in Diana's class and then with the work that Aura's done um, with the refugee children in the um, temporary housing. Mm-hmm. It's just so, I think it's just a very important thing that teachers recognize their role and how influential they can be, even at, for, you know, obviously that is the case for, for children, but also for adults and what they say and how they connect with students and um, really understanding their students as individuals and building that trust and compassion and sort of shared love in a community of learning is is really kind of an amazing thing to be part of, but also an amazing thing to be able to offer. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I always found in my... Um... My teaching years, especially, you know, when I was teaching in-person classes and, and in particular with one group of students that I got to work with over the whole two-year period of time, that that was the, that was the key element, that creation of the relationship as mm-hmm. individuals, but within the group, like what you were talking about, that cohesion within the group, that sense of community and how yeah. that really bolstered, you know, the opportunity for success and, yeah. and really, um, really uh, authentic learning, I think, you know, because it creates yeah. that safe space. Yeah. You know, yeah. where people can talk about what really is going on. Yeah. You know, and that's so important. That's just amazing. What a beautiful um, energy and just space that it sounds like you've created for these women. Hmm. Yeah. Congratulations. I love it. <laughs> Okay, let's take another little break right now, and then we will come back and uh, get into a little bit. I want to ask you all a bit about your own kind of practices and uh, anything else that you might want to add, of course, as well. So we'll take a break. You're listening to Serving Consciously. I'm your host, Elizabeth Bishop, and we'll be right back with my guests today talking about trauma, trauma and artistic practice and creative expression, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes.
Are you a helping professional looking for inspiration, resources, and community? Visit socialworkhelper.com for relevant articles and learning opportunities. Connect with other difference makers in the world. Socialworkhelper.com Tired of the same old boring training sessions? You know, those ones you sit in all day and take very little from. Head over to ElizabethBishopConsulting.com to learn more about the conscious service approach and how your organization can benefit from webinars, online programs, and in-person workshops. Renew your sense of connection with yourself and others in real and meaningful ways. Be inspired. Be encouraged. Be energized. Be you and love what you do. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Serving Consciously. I'm your host, Elizabeth Bishop, and I'm here today with my guest panel, Ora Che, Amia Wilbur, and Diana Jeffries, and we've been having just an amazing conversation about trauma-informed practice and creating community and working with people who are new to Canada and incorporating a a lot of different creative um, ways of assisting people through that transition and through traumatic experiences. And Aura, I know that you wanted to add something to the piece of uh, the conversation we were having just before the break. Well, yes. Thanks so much, Elizabeth. Um, I think one of the ways that, one of the strategies that we use in the children's program is to do a lot of photographic documentation. Um, and so we're documenting what it is that the children are doing and they're, you capture, of course, their, their visual expression and affect while they're executing their work. But in addition to that, when we start printing those photographs and making photographic boards, the children see how much importance is placed on their work in the playroom. And, um, I think that gives them a sense of their own, going back to the idea of control, connection, and meaning, it gives them a sense of, of the control that they have in terms of the direction of their own learning and the connection between the other children and the educators and, you know, really the meaning associated with it. And on top of that becomes this opportunity to start learning English in this case um, as a language, because we're documenting some of those pieces with bits of English um, and sentences. And I think that when we, when we place um, meaning and personal meaning on a learning experience, uh, people learn so much more quickly because it's, of course, real and situational and important to them. So we we need to keep that framework. And I think with everything that we do, um, we want to look at what what is the framework in which we can um, maintain those three principles of control, connection and meaning. That's beautiful. I love that. And I, I really, I, 
so agree with that. And I, I know, I think from, for all of us, from, from our own individual perspectives, any time that we're motivated by, um, curiosity or motivated from our own, uh, you know, personal, uh, desire to learn something or be engaged in something, it does become so much easier. It's, it's almost like it's not even, there's no work involved. You're just present and you're engaged. Mm-hmm. It's just easier when you can see when it is re- relevant and meaningful, even if that's not spelled out for you, it's just a felt thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you were saying. I mean, I think it's come up in, in everything that's been said. I mean, as human beings, as, as human creatures, you know, one of our biggest desires and, and, you know, things to want, that we want to experience in life is a sense of connection and really creating that kind of a space first before trying to bring in any other kind of learning. I mean, you're just creating a container that can then support that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so I wondered if we could take a few minutes before we come to the close of our show. Um, so much of what you're talking about resonates with me and I can hear, I can just hear in, in your descriptions of the work that you do and what you offer and the service that you're offering in, in your communities and the people you work with. The passion, like I mentioned earlier, and the sense of this being really meaningful work for you and a meaningful experience for you. So I'm wondering from the point or the perspective of, you know, self-connection in your own practice, are there things or what things, not are there things, but what things do you do or how do you engage in staying connected to yourself as a service provider and and in staying, you know, um, passionate about the work that you're doing? Um, well, this is Diana again. Um, I can say for me that I think that one of the experience, some of the experiences that I, I have with the students that I work with is, um, you know, they have, they sometimes tell me quite, you know, difficult stories of their own past or situations that they're even in now that are very traumatizing. And some of that can be very traumatizing for me too. What, you know, they talk about vicarious trauma and experiencing the same experience uh, that students have have had and so my I have a a real need to make sure that I do take care of myself because I think that um, burnout is is a really uh, common thing that teachers end up having going through or also just um, you know uh, compassion fatigue is another thing that often teachers experience if they're you know working with these 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 kind of populations and also really trying to make sure that you they are connected with students and it can take a real toll so um as much as um i think that i have learned and grown individually as as a person through working with the people that i do work with i also have to make sure that I take the time to to do a lot of my own self-care, which I actually talk about quite, you know, regularly in my own class so that they know that this is something that is important to do, right? Um, so, yeah, I think that taking the time to look after yourself, um, making sure that you don't see the world through this very, um, this, this one kind of lens that, that the whole world is kind of a mess and and that there are also lots Mm -hmm. of really good things that are going on 
and as much as people are experienced, have experienced, you know, trauma um, and have hardships and challenges uh, here, I also see, you know, the resilience that a lot of my students have, and it gives me that kind of strength as well to to follow that kind of their their lead on that because I think that that's amazing what people can can cope with, right? But Absolutely. We just, yeah, but we want to do it in the right way. And And I think that, yes, and I think that witnessing of resilience and hope, you know, Mm -hmm. and and keeping just our eyes and our hearts open to seeing that, right? Because sometimes it can be happening and we can miss it if our perspective is is, skewed. And so that's a huge, huge way, I believe, too. Um, Last week or two weeks ago, my last show, I had Dr. Uh, Gabor Matei on talking about compassionate curiosity. We had a whole conversation about compassion fatigue and stuff, and we were talking about, you know, it's not the compassion that makes us tired. It's the lack of self-compassion that is so often prevalent yeah. when you're in service to other people, you know. And There's always what... something more to do. There's always something else you can do. Mm-hmm. And you want to do that, but it's also, I mean, one of the things that I also do just in my within my classes talk about um, gratitude and what are the things that you're grateful for and and I think that's also really important for for people in service like this to make sure that they remind themselves or have those kinds of practices kind of daily about the things that they know that are that are really positive in their life and and that they're absolutely yeah Yeah. I totally agree thank you Diana yeah Mm -hmm. um just, I was just going to add to what Diana said. Sorry, but I think the important one of the important pieces for me, this is Amia speaking, is connection with others. Just like we're talking about connection for the people we work with, but um, connecting. You know, I was lucky enough to to be able to meet Diana and um, other people working who do this kind of work and making connections with them and actually you know, acknowledging that these are things that we're experiencing and um, being able to talk through some of those things, I think is, is a really um, invaluable piece of, you know, just making sure that we're doing okay as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Needing those, um, the mirrors and I call in, in um, the work that I've been doing, I call it a uh, safe sounding boards, like finding the place where, you know where you can go and you know where you'll be supported and heard and also challenged, you know, to, to move beyond things where we might be stuck and, uh, but in a safe and a loving kind of supportive way. And that, you know, that isn't, that's something that takes cultivation. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've got to say again, this is Amy. It's, it's more challenging these days with all of the stuff that's happening, you know, in the broader society and um, stories around refugees and all of this is making sure that we find those spaces because um, we're kind of inundated with media that's even more negative around, you know, what's happening in America. So just finding it's so important to find those spaces. Yeah, it yeah. so is. Absolutely. And, and take that personal responsibility. Aura, do you want, um, do you have anything you'd like to add as we're getting near the end? We've got a couple minutes. I think, um, you know, I mean, definitely the self-care is a huge piece. And I think it's it's for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, I think we need to be able to model that to um, the people that we're serving, that, that, you know, these are some of the ways that we can do it. Um, for me, I'm, I'm, 
not much use to myself or anyone else unless I really do take care of myself. And it took me some period of time in my life, both personally and professionally, to figure out, okay, actually, I really do need to mark <laughs> time out and I really do need to focus on it. So now um, I'm, I'm much uh, more cohesive in that area of my life. Um, and I think I came to it when I was doing field supervision with workers that were uh, working with government assisted refugees and they would come and sit down for their field supervision time and they would just unload, which was the whole point. But then I had all those stories. I had Absolutely. all those very sad stories and I remember standing there with my notes one day, just randomly, I happened to be standing above the shredder and I just dropped all my notes into the shredder. I had already put them in the database, um, but just watching them all be shredded just was such a cathartic experience. For I me bet. I realized there's a lot of ways that I can, you know, work with the the information and the experiences that I've received. So that was one of them. And, and for me, a, a saving factor is doing yoga four times a week and dancing four times a week. I Beautiful. Think without that, I would not, I would not function the way I do. I love it. And you know, you can even to have the visualization of the energetic shredder that we put things into. Those are great suggestions. And I want to thank each of you for being here today. Um, Ora Che, Diana Jeffries, and Amia Wilbur. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise, your experience, your words of wisdom, and just your time and energy with all of the listeners today on Serving Consciously. What I'll do is make sure I get your contact information and put it up on the website so when people can uh, access the information about the show and the replay that your information will be there if they'd like to reach out to you. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks, everyone, for being here today uh, to my guest panel and to all the listeners for joining in. You've been listening to Serving Consciously. I'm your host, Elizabeth Bishop, and I will see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Serving Consciously with your host, Elizabeth Bishop. Consciously create your approach to work. Visit www.elizabethbishopconsulting.com. Join us on every second and fourth Friday at noon to continue rediscovering your passion. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there were over one million bubbles in a glass of champagne? Did someone say brunch? Leave the egg hunting to the kids. We'll have even more fine hunting for your brilliant brunch, Riesling. Ham's sweet and salty richness pairs perfectly with sweeter wines with bold fruit. How about a juicy Pinot Noir? Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this spring at Total Wine & More. Cheers! <laughs> 